series that we could call a podcast um, in which we are sharing various reflections, memories, and lessons that I and those that have been along for the ride of this journey in my life have received and experienced in the past few years um, as my son Cheyenne uh, was conceived was born and has now been on this earth for a year. (laughs) So this podcast is a celebration of all of that. And it is an invitation into the behind the scenes look uh, of the intricate and oftentimes very confusing and complex journey of motherhood or parenthood or just self uh, growth and rebirth that hopefully anyone might be able to receive. This podcast today is especially for those who are in their maiden phase, their mother phase, or somewhere in between. And of course, it's for our wise women too, but you know all of this on an intimate level, I'm sure. (laughs) I am so excited to share this conversation that my platonic life partner and uh, business partner and soul human Sarah and I shared on the uh, morning uh, before our goddess retreat weekend. That was such a healing weekend for so many women that were in various parts of their journey and this conversation really opened the portal for Sarah and I to just be cracked wide open and ready to hold everyone in that space. So hopefully this episode might do something like that for you and if this doesn't interest you then just pass right by. There will be other conversations for the future but today this one I I couldn't help but share so I hope you take what you need leave the rest behind and without further ado enjoy and I have a very special uh, guest for this conversation today Um, And I have a very important question to start with for her before you get to know who she is. How much do you love Cheyenne? Oh my gosh. The limit does not exist. (laughs) So much. All right. So who is this human that loves Cheyenne without limit? Let's uh, have her introduce herself. Well, my name is Sarah, but these days I mostly go by TT. And I am the second adult parent figure, live-in auntie human. Um, 
that has the beautiful privilege of, of living with and getting to know every day Eliza and Cheyenne. Yeah, so you can hear more about this story of Sarah finding out I was pregnant um, in one of the other episodes. But yeah, and if you haven't heard that yet, make sure you go check that out because it's pretty ridiculous. Um, But a little backstory for anyone who doesn't know Sarah, she is my business partner um, with our business that we birthed together, the Harmony Mountain House. And the initial intention was not to also have a baby in the mix. Um, So (laughs) she is one of the boldest people I know to literally take the road so less traveled um, for a maiden to commit to stepping into the journey of like supporting a woman as she becomes a mother. And then also, um, as she already said, like loving this little human that, you know, she, I mean, in some ways, I think she did kind of create him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, actually. In all but, the energetic ways. <laughs> yeah, why don't you share uh, what I mean with that? Well, I am a manifester, they say. And so a lot of the things that I speak out, if I really mean them, they tend to to manifest into reality. And it wasn't until I was reflecting after his birth that I realized that shortly before he was conceived, I spoke out to Eliza that if she happened to get pregnant, it would all be fine because we would raise the kidding community (laughs) together and run our business and it would work out perfectly. So did I plant that seed literally and figuratively? Maybe. And that was exactly two months, pretty much, to the date before I actually conceived. Um, And completely unknowingly. So what part Sarah had to play in this might be more on the energetics realm than than even I had to play a part in it on the energetics (laughs) realm. (laughs) My womb was just the one that was, like, ready and available. Um, But... Clearly, initially, we were planning to go into business, create a retreat center, had this really big, beautiful vision, had been sitting in ceremony together to uh, birth that into possibility. And then all of a sudden, we found out there was, you know, another party that potentially... We had twins! (laughs) Meaning the business and the baby. (laughs) I was never pregnant with twins, to clarify, but people have thought otherwise. Um, when we've made that joke. True. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, from the point of conception of our business closing on August 23rd, we knew already that I was pregnant and Sarah stepped up and was actually initially maybe more excited about it than she has been since. (laughs) (laughs) Blissful ignorance. Yeah, um, well, I, I won't go into to more of the story of how I found out and reacted at that point because we've talked about that on the other episode. But yeah, somehow Divine intervened and, and, and comforted me and let me know that this was exactly how it was meant to go. And 
I wouldn't say it's been smooth sailing entirely the whole way since because when is life ever just an easy ride? But it's definitely been a journey worth being really excited about. So let's go more into detail on that. What was the worst part of my pregnancy for you? Oof. <laughs> the mother blessing. That was the that was the low. Yeah, so let's start there. Like the uh, the desire to be able to hold space for a mother and the universe providing otherwise, right? Yeah. Well, let me just say that if you've never held space in the form, well, in any form before doing it for a pregnant person would not be a good first try. (laughs) I really like did not have a hyper emotional, like external pregnancy in the second and third trimester, except for the mother blessing. Like it all happened. It all came out in one day. day. Um, And I just want to say like, I as an Aries who was pregnant, like I thought I was going to spend the whole time like roaring like a dragon. And the fact that I didn't, like I constantly pat myself on the back for that. But I, I was very like internal. I was very quiet. I, that's why I really thought I was having a Pisces because I was like, there's no way I have an Aries in my womb and that I'm an Aries and that I'm this chill in my pregnancy. Um, but when you don't have a baby shower planned don't have anything else planned to celebrate you and really like uh, for people that have been pregnant and people that haven't uh I don't know how big the awareness is around the fact that the mother really does not get a lot of attention on her as soon as the belly starts pumping popping up it's like oh my gosh who is that and you're like, hi, I'm still, I'm still here, right? Like, I'm still here. And I, maybe that's a story that I have because a lot of societal stories talk about the mother kind of falling back into the background. Um, and I'm trying very actively to rewrite that all the time. But I experienced that. Well, Even when I was trying to write a different story, I experienced that. Yeah, and I witnessed you in that. Right. I've had now multiple close friends become pregnant and become mothers. Um, Eliza being the one that was clearly the closest to me to witness. And it really is wild to see from a maiden perspective the way that people treat you when you become a mother. And it's something that most women don't know until they're in it. So to be on the outside and see it so clearly has been really eye-opening yeah considering I was like I had always very much romanticized the idea of getting pregnant and having a baby and having a family I was certain that it would happen in partnership I was certain that it would you know that I was going to spend the entire pregnancy getting like treated like the absolute goddess that I was for creating life and having my partner massage my feet the whole time and you know being able to just be a ridiculous human and have someone be like you know what I don't care I love you anyway because you're carrying my child and I didn't have any of that and I still had a really beautiful pregnancy but 
it really was Sarah for the most part that was witnessing me in the pregnancy. So what was the, uh, the best part of being like a maiden and for those that don't know a maiden is someone who has not yet traversed right the goddess comes in the triple goddess or the triple form and that shows up in almost every uh lineage of ritual or religion and um so when we talk about the maiden we're talking about sarah as this version of the feminine that has not yet uh traversed through the portal of becoming a mother, which even if someone doesn't birth a child in this lifetime, they go through certain rites of passage that evolve them into this wiser, deeper role. Um, the re- almost what society will say is like the release of the energy and the beauty and the youth and stepping into that role of the mother, which is more along the lines of the nurturer the space holder, the caretaker, the, um, you know, the heart of the family. So um, those are very much the roles that Sarah and I are in. And we are constantly also trying to uh, inspire each other to be more than just those roles, even though we know that we are perhaps the strongest version of ourselves when each of us do take on those roles right now. So uh, back to to the conversation, but what was the best part of, you know, being a maiden and getting to witness someone go through that portal of becoming a mother? Well, depending on how you look at it, I think this could be someone's best or worst part. But for me, the best part was just knowing so intimately that few women, if any, there has to be some besides me, but few women truly get the opportunity to witness so closely the entire experience minus conception because I was not there for that (laughs) can confirm she was not present for the conception being able to witness every single stage of the entire growth process pregnancy process the birth itself which we'll get to Um, without having to be in it because for most women you're only witnessing yourself in those moments that intimately and the reality is that many 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 women are doing this alongside a partner right so I was reflecting on the fact that pretty much the only women who maybe plan to traverse this portal at some point who get to experience this outside of themselves are you know women who are potentially witnessing a surrogate carry a child women who are in romantic relationship with other women who are carrying a child or in my case a maiden who is the life partner of a person that is doing this. And so to witness that, just realizing the privilege that it is to be so close without it being my own experience. Um, and, And having this almost front row seat at something that people don't often get a front row seat at, which is knowing and learning what this process is like 
so that I can then take that knowledge with me and decide whether or not I ever want to traverse this portal myself. Um, but mostly just like knowing that to witness something on the outside is always going to be different than the internal experience someone's having. And while I did unfortunately have many phantom symptoms that I didn't want to have, for the most part, I didn't have to have the internal experience that you had to be witnessing it on the outside. Yeah, totally. If you, uh, you know, if, if you have any kind of partner in your life that is a Pisces, you will, or maybe a water sign at all, you will understand totally that, you know, Sarah continued to insist on taking on things like the nausea and <laughs> the pains that I was having. And I'm like, you don't have to do that like I I don't want this either but you certainly like don't uh don't have to do this but she was such a a good support in that way that she never (laughs) wanted me to be totally alone I'd be like oh I'm so sick today she's like yeah me too (laughs) wait um but yeah and honestly in witnessing our relationship and the way things worked for us I have joked but like it's not really a joke. I totally feel that every mother or every person, once they conceive and start carrying life, should get like assigned a maiden and also a wise woman. So someone who has traversed the path and is no longer in the caretaking, the primary caretaking role. Like, so they don't, they no longer have young children and people that are literally like relying on them to survive. Um, so they have a little more spaciousness to metabolize the lessons and um, be back in a role of support and knowing without also knowing that they like have to get home to get dinner on the table for their own kids. Um, I feel like every mother should get that. It should be the welcome package instead of all of the, uh, you know, the free breast pump that you get with uh, insurance. I'm like, no, how about a maiden and a wise woman? to support you and hold you in this process because there's this ability of like being able to have someone who has the energy to do things that you don't have the energy to do. And then to have the vision and vantage point of someone who has has really traversed this path before. Um, and I really did kind of create that team myself. I mean, called in Sarah unknowingly. And then um, I have a, you know, a therapist and a coach that, is in that wise woman phase of life herself. So I'm like, this is my team. I literally could not do motherhood without them. Uh, And I'm very grateful for it. Um, But what Sarah and I are doing is seemingly, I'm pretty sure, rare that we live together. We have a like legitimately platonic relationship. It confuses and shocks people a lot of times everyone wants us to fit in like a label of like well no you must be or at some point have been romantically entangled and it's like oh no I mean it's like let's just be clear that Sarah literally watched my son's head dance in and out of my my vagina for like an hour And I mean, yeah, like she held my hand while I was on a on a toilet. And I mean, at this point, we're just so comfortable with each other. But what a gift to have a genuinely platonic relationship that I don't have to worry about checking off all of those other boxes that I 
spoiler alert, do not have the capacity for as a new mother. Um, But yeah, like part of why we wanted to have this conversation, we have it with ourselves and with people that come to the Harmony Mountain House all the time, but to offer it up to the world of like, guess what? There are actually like other ways in which people can be supported. And that doesn't mean like leave your partner if you're unhappy, but if you need to do that, like there are ways to call in a support uh, community that does not look like the nuclear family that we're taught is the only way to feel supported. And unfortunately, I have spoken to too many humans who have not felt support within that nuclear system. So it's really fun to literally be on the ground, like experimenting and trying to create a different way of parenting um, that involves having someone be here that literally loves this kid so fully and truly and who doesn't have to be up in the middle of the night with him um, the way I do. So when we wake up in the morning, if I'm still exhausted, like Titi is ready to jump in and spend time loving on this kid who like shows no proof that he had kept me up for half the night (laughs) because he is as happy as can be. But like, she'll see my bags under my eyes. She'll see me kind of draped over the side of the bed watching him play. And she's like, come on, let's go downstairs. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) So, and spoiler alert, it's really fun doing it this way. (laughs) Yeah, like, Again, it may not be for everyone, but from what Sarah tells me, and I like, we have real talk, so I trust that she would not be making this up, but it's just like, it's possible to be in the phase of your life where you're not a parent and you're not sure that you want to be a parent, but to like truly find joy in getting to support and watch a human grow and so that's really fun that I read once this meme that said like every child needs an adult that is not their parent who thinks they are the most amazing human on this planet and literally Cheyenne had that built in from conception like literally like (laughs) like has had such a actually that was the missing piece and once he heard me say that he went okay I'm waiting for the moment totally pop into that womb yeah when he (laughs) heard your support he's like great okay I'm in they got the house I've got TT's support she's on she's in let's do this we just needed that third piece which um you know I did take care of (laughs) true and now he's here so let's talk a little bit about the ways that you found to support a pregnant person as someone who like was not a pregnant person or a mother yourself? Well, let me just start by saying that there was not a single day of Eliza's pregnancy that I didn't go, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. And even looking back on it now, I'm like, I don't know if I made the right choices. I still don't know what I'm doing because there's just something about never having been in an experience yourself that you will never be able to truly 
understand. And I, I say all the time that as closely as I got to witness her pregnancy and birth, if I ever chose that path, I know intimately that I would find myself saying, wow, I thought I knew and I had no idea. <laughs> so I, I know that. I know that I don't know. Um, and so what that left me with was just to try my best because there was just no other option. And I knew like I'm the only person that is here physically on a daily basis. So I'm the only person that can support her daily in whatever way that that looks like. Um, you know, so for me, a lot of what that looked like was offering space. You know, a lot of what I did was either offering physical space, meaning that I simply was not you know, invading, right? So sometimes that looked like there were days that Eliza woke up and spent half the day potentially in her room or taking a bath and processing all of these things that she was experiencing. And for me, my support in those moments looked like send her love from afar and trust that whatever process she's in is the process she needs right now. Um, sometimes it looked like holding her and just being there when she was processing something. And you know, the reality is that there was a lot to process, especially early on in the pregnancy, that I had no clue what it felt like. There was no way for me to know because I've never been in that experience. And so I knew that if I'm offering genuine support here, rather than trying to share words that may land or not the best thing I can do is just be here to support because the thing about Eliza which this isn't going to be the case with everyone is that I already know that anything that I can think to share she's probably already thought of <laughs> right so it doesn't necessarily always feel good when you're processing something to have someone throwing darts on a board when you're like I've already gone there and mm -hmm. that's not helpful um, and I think that that is probably something that can be extrapolated to most pregnant women, right? Like as someone who is creating life, there are things that your head is spinning about 24 seven. And I truly believe that there are things that often go missed in a pregnant person's head because they're always thinking of all the things, um, I think that it's biological, it's genetic. There are just things that you consider as you're becoming a mother and when you become a mother. Um, and the reality is that to be reminded of those things or asked if they've considered those things from an <laughs> external person that either has never been a mother themselves or even has but is not in their experience pretty much just never feels good, at least from what I've witnessed. Totally. <laughs> yeah, that was something... Even though I am pretty good at setting boundaries, you know, for me, my experience of pregnancy was such an internal experience. And I had this direct connection with divine or God or however you call it. And all that was being asked of me was stillness and space to let all of the wisdom through, to let go of all of the things that 
I was still holding on to from my maiden phase. You know, it because this pregnancy was a surprise to me, I needed the space and time to process the end of a chapter and to process that while simultaneously witnessing someone else like in the prime of that chapter of their life took time for me to to be in that acceptance because it was conveyed to me that this pregnancy was a choice and that I could, you know, perhaps take another route, take another road and stay as a maiden, you know, whatever that would have meant for me. I had to really stay with the grief as it came up. And everyone may not experience that, but I truly believe that every mother in some way experiences the need to process the genuine end of a life and the start of a new one and people say that and it sounds dramatic until you literally live through it and even if pregnancy is the most joyful experience inevitably it is going to invite you to face some things and learn some lessons in a new way that you have not yet up leveled to it's going to give a new vantage point and it's going to give a new perspective on so many of the lessons. And if you have childhood trauma, if you have um, you know, feminine trauma, if you have sisterhood trauma, if you have relationship trauma, if you have any kind of inconsistency in your life and you're not just like this theoretical perfect human that isn't bothered by anything. And if you're out there, I'm really surprised you're listening to this, but also like, hey, unicorn, um, it's gonna come up. And you are not going to be able to numb out in the way that society largely teaches us that we can, i.e. have a glass of wine, you know, have cannabis, um, go do something really like big and fun that's going to distract you. Like there's really no distraction from pregnancy. It is happening 24-7 inside of you. So it's not something you can turn off. So instead to turn inward was for me the only way that not only that I got through it, but that I found true joy in my pregnancy and found the ability to like really experience and witness the possibility that the exact experience I was in was exactly what was for the highest good for me and for my child and for the whole world um, for me to be living through that. So it was really great to have someone, a partner that could give that space. And so often, um, again, especially if someone hasn't experienced it or if they had a different experience in their own pregnancy, because I imagine that everyone has like that big thing that would be like their ideal of like, I'm desiring this from a partner. And that's really like, if you have a friend, a partner, a, a family member, whatever that is pregnant now, like to truly ask, what do you need? And then say, if you don't know what that is right now, or you're not comfortable with saying it out loud, take time to think about it and like text me when you know, or write me a letter or send me a DM and I will fully support you in that way. Because in the moments that you are processing a big emotion, um, you know, for me, it was the end of a relationship and the end of my maiden phase. To be constantly asked what you need is another thing that just takes up space and makes you feel like, wow, there must be something really wrong with me for like not knowing 
that I need this, this, and this right now. So giving space, but also giving space for uh, the pregnant person to tell you what they need. Yeah, so adding in having to make 10,000 decisions a day on house projects (laughs) makes that really difficult because every question that came up, I'm like, I want Eliza's input, but I don't feel like I can ask her a single question. Like she's been asking too, you know, she's been asked too many questions. Um, But that's kind of leading to my next kind of role of support or phase of support, I should say, which was this inevitable reality that I was witnessing someone in this experience that I had never had before. And as much as I tried to support myself, I constantly kept coming back to this reality of, it's not enough. Like the support that I can provide is not enough. And to someone who is a chronic people pleaser and a Pisces <laughs> and that just wants everyone around them to be smiley and happy all the time, which is fantasy, truly, um, it felt impossible for me to be the only person here in the physical space around her 24 seven and to not have all the answers and to not be able to provide the support. And in order to keep myself sane in that situation, which required a lot of work. And I'll just go off on a tangent real quick and say that the amount of support that I needed in that was huge. And I knew that it couldn't come from Eliza. And it, it did, you know, she did support me too, but you know, it's, you can't go to the person that you're supporting for the support that you need yourself if they don't have the capacity to provide that. So that meant a lot of support from my family and friends, a lot of support from my therapist, and a lot of support from myself in knowing when I was at my own capacity and returning to myself to fill my own cup up again before Mm -hmm. trying to pour into Eliza's cup. Um, But... Anyways, going back to to this greater support and realizing that I couldn't get I couldn't give it all. I couldn't do it all. Um, you know, when I sat with that, I realized I cannot provide the support that a mother can. I cannot provide the support of someone who's been through this experience. I cannot provide the support of someone who, you know, is knowledgeable about the birth process. But what I can do is reach out to the people who do fit those roles, right? And so for me, and honestly, selfishly, this was something that I did for not just Eliza, but for myself, because I knew that I was going to need support too. Um, But, you know, intentionally it was at the start, just how can I, how can I give Eliza the support that I want to give her that I'm not capable of giving her? And I just knew that the only answer was going to be community. Mm-hmm. That I could not by myself be a community, but I could call on our community. Yeah. And it's wild to me that if I had gone into this process, you know, and my partner and I had continued our relationship and we had lived in this alternate timeline where community was not you know, the driving factor of my life, um, that it would have been on my partner to support me in all of the ways that it took literally a village to support me in this timeline and the way that things actually went down. I think it's shocking that 
we live in this world where we expect one person for the most part to carry the full weight of someone's process. And, you know, we constantly discuss that that isn't the way that either of us feel the world is meant to be. Both of us have lots of support systems outside of each other, which allows our relationship to feel supportive most of the time. Uh, We dance back and forth between needing space held for each other most of the time, and it doesn't sway heavily one way or the other. And both of us have the ability to reach out to our therapists, our family, and our friends that have an overlap at this point, but also we can singularly ask for that, which is fantastic. And prior to you know, Sarah and I going into business together, she was just getting to know my village and my community. But she really made this commitment to befriend and communicate with the other, with people that really mattered to me. And she now has close relationships with a lot of them too. And that allowed her to give me what I feel like was the greatest gift, uh, which was she knew she was going away for what three, three weeks, weeks. Um, right after I gave birth and my mom was going to be here for the first you know three to six weeks that was going to be flexible depending on what my needs were but that clearly I wasn't going to be able to run an Airbnb fu- keep this house functioning even though we weren't having retreats at the time and take care of myself as a new mother and this baby. So about a month or so before I gave birth, maybe two months, um, we were sitting in ceremony and Sarah gave me this little gift that was this sweet little calendar. And when I opened it, it had the names of all of these different people in my life that I love and trust and Uh, would lean on for support but don't know what their inevitable capacity is at any given time and they had all signed up for different days uh, all you know one to three days each to come up after I gave birth and support uh, whether to help around the house or to help me Um, (laughs) inevitably that turned out to be a lot of you know filling up a water cup for me because it is almost impossible to stay hydrated when you're learning to breastfeed can barely walk and have a new little human that is like legit sucking the life out of you 24 7 um but also for me the biggest thing was I found that I didn't want to be alone and it felt really good to know that there were You know, there was so much community and support in the postpartum period of that room that ended up being this little, you know, nest for Cheyenne and I in our early days. People would just come and pull up chairs and sit around the bed and we would play games or we would have a meal. Uh, The dinner or lunch got brought up in a basket and we would all sit around if uh, I was up for the company and just laugh and share together and people would go oh shh, the baby's sleeping and I would say no 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 don't be quiet we're we want this baby to learn to sleep through anything which that that worked out really well yeah. he is if he wants to sleep he sleeps and we can talk and 
literally there could be construction going on right next to him and he just sleeps. So that's fantastic. Um, but it ended up being this incredible gift where, you know, it's not like I was graded on hand and foot um, because everyone that came were humans with their own stuff going on. But this ability to have the support of community and for me to energetically and emotionally not feel like I had to put everything on one person that allowed Sarah to just have for the most part space to enjoy becoming a TT and an aunt for the first time and have all of this quality time of bonding with Cheyenne from the very get-go and also that for me um and Cheyenne got to meet so much community in the first you know six to eight weeks of his life because there was this rotating door of of new love and energy coming through that was so excited to get to know him and speaking of community this is your loving weekly reminder that Sarah and I are actually currently the stewards of a community retreat space in the mountains of Northwest New Jersey. And we would love to have you join us here at some point. Check out our website, www.theharmonymountainhouse.com or find us on social media at The Harmony Mountain House and see if there's something that excites you, inspires you, or might invite healing into your life. We would so love to hold you here, but for now, let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, yeah, and I will say, you know, the hardest part about that, I think, was this reality that here I am creating with so much energy and with so much love, this calendar that feels like it's going to be the best gift ever. And knowing that like after Eliza gives birth, she might turn around and say, the only thing I want for the next four to six weeks is to be in this room alone with my baby. And I just want to say that on this note of like being the main support person for someone who is pregnant and about to give birth, you know, if it were a competition, which it's not, the pregnant person would always win of how much energy and effort it takes to do this thing. But I, I have this newfound appreciation and honoring for, you know, what is traditionally the father figure, but is very far from that in today's society. Any, any primary support partner of a birthing person whoever you are and what, you know, whatever your identity is just honoring how challenging it can be to be the person that is providing the primary support for someone who is pregnant, because the reality is they're going to inevitably make choices and have feelings about things that have nothing to do with you and have everything to do with their own love for their baby. Mm-hmm. And you can not take it personally. And that Amen. is so <laughs> hard. I say it and I'm still practicing it. It's so hard to not yeah. take it personally when the birthing person that you are witnessing is unhappy with the choice that you made or is desiring something different than what you're giving to them. And you could be, you know, and and really the mother blessing was the perfect example of that, which is why it was so hard to process for both of us. And in ways we're maybe still processing it, right? But it was like, 
I had from the bottom of my heart tried to put something together for Eliza that I thought was going to be such a great gift and in theory it was but the reality was that the universe did not grant that beautiful perfect day and there were so many roadblocks and there were so many circumstances that came up that just made that day not what we hoped it would be and so for her as this pregnant person that is grieving the reality that the one day that was supposed to celebrate her went so far from plan <laughs> and then me as the person that put this thing together to support her having to grieve the fact that you know I did this and it's all falling apart mm -hmm. and just the constant um reminder always as someone who is supporting a birthing person that you have to always find a way to take a step back and not take things personally because to do so removes spaciousness from the birthing person being able to have their experience and feel their feelings which they need to process in that time absolutely and i cannot state enough it's like can we asterisk this and like bump it up like eight million percent that like as the person that was upset zero percent of it was upset at sarah like literally, Sarah did not make it snow that day, which then caused none of the, you know, the henna person didn't come and the our friend that's a massage therapist didn't come and all of the other people that had planned to attend didn't come because there was literally like... Blizzard conditions. There was blizzard conditions. <laughs> like it had literally nothing to do with Sarah. And so as I was, you know, just feeling those feelings... Um, it, the space was given for me, but that space flowed into the virtual time of connection. Um, and I missed almost an hour and got all of these texts and things from people saying like, oh, I was here, but I'm popping off and I'm not gonna be there. And that was the thing that affected me so much was I was like, I want, even if it's literally just on Zoom with you know a dozen faces of people that I love, which I did still get to some extent. I just want time to drop in and be with people and celebrate this portal that I'm about to walk through and honor the relationships in which will inevitably shift once I move through this portal. And that time that was taken because the things didn't go well and no one had like told me, hey, it's three o'clock, let's pop on Zoom. I don't even know if three o'clock was the time. It's that I literally just made that up in my brain. But I was so heartbroken that I missed the connection time because part of my grief was this inherent understanding that being a mother was going to change everything and that my capacity was going to change and that even something as quote simple as getting on zoom and chatting with friends for a couple hours was no longer going to be something that was built in to any given Saturday of my life because the presence that you have to have when you're a mother is so all-encompassing that just little moments and pockets of connection feel that much more important when everything was still inside of me like when when Cheyenne was still in me and when I still could move about the cabin of my life as a very pregnant person but I could decide 
what was happening when, to lose that control, that was all a personal process and it had nothing to do with anyone else. And I just then had to feel the grief of that um, for missing that celebration day getting to having to see you know all of the other people around me that were pregnant at that time or who still are pregnant now who had these beautiful moments of connection with people in their lives and this day this pause this moment in time in which they were just truly uplifted for the journey that they've committed to i wanted that for myself and i want that for every woman whether that ends up looking like a baby shower you know a more traditional route or this mother blessing that we're talking about being something that truly witnesses and honors the mother as the portal that made this commitment to bring this human life forth and all of the energy, the life that she has not sacrificed, but that she has recommitted to, this complete change in everything that she knew. Because again, if you are a parent yourself, you probably have experienced the uh, time in which literally you don't know which way is up any longer. <laughs> and that it feels like you're in this completely foreign world, even if things theoretically look the same. I don't know anyone that hasn't gone through that cycle. And when you are the maiden and you haven't yet entered into that portal and that the chaos and confusion and joy that exists in the actual process of coming from the chrysalis, right? Like being reborn, it's so confusing. If you are in your first moments of being a butterfly, you don't yet know that you have wings to flap and that you can use them. You're like, oh shit, where's my legs? Where's my body? Like what? Like uh, everything is different now. And even if it's better, I don't know how to use this new body of mine. I don't know how to use this new mind of mine. Um, and so I just want to reflect once more, like if you are in the support role of a pregnant person, like I think from what we've experienced, the greatest thing you can offer is to step back and give them the space to process without projecting your own stuff, your own stories on, committing to keeping your side of the street clean and doing self-care and, and all of the things that you need, which are in no way selfish so that you can support the pregnant person. And as a pregnant person, like having this radical shift in it's okay for me to not just ask for a bunch of diapers. It's okay for me to ask for what I personally need on an emotional level to not have to push things under the rug in this pregnancy. Because guess what? If you push them under the rug in the pregnancy, they are going to pop out in new motherhood and in the postpartum period, which is likely why postpartum depression is so incredibly common in the Western world now. Because if you felt like your pregnancy was just supposed to be blissful and you kept thinking, let me not take the space and time to have these emotional realizations, then it's going to pop up when you don't have the capacity to keep it in any longer. And guess what? I am so grateful that I processed in pregnancy and that I have not spent my postpartum period in the same level of uh, internal processing that I needed because there's no where's time. the time? Like, there's where no is, time. Where is the time? Like that's, I, I can't imagine and I feel so grateful. I didn't not have a few days or weeks where I didn't know which way was up and feeling like I 
oh, I must be broken because I am not as happy as I thought I would be. Um, But that was truly, as I look back on it, completely hormonal. Like it was really those first six to eight weeks. And then as many of you know, you know, if you're listening to this and you know us, at 12 weeks postpartum, I lost my soulmate, best friend, Beamer, um, my dog, and such a cornerstone of our relationship. Like if we were recording this right now, he would be curled up right next to us being a part of it. And I feel energetically like he is right here. Um, But I had to process the biggest grief of my life in postpartum. And for me to have not gone lower, you know, I'm like, oh, I truly believe that is because I had the spaciousness in my pregnancy to go as low as I needed. And I never needed to stay there for very long, but there were some things that I had to shine a light on and really face about the way that I viewed the world, the way that I viewed masculine energy, because I found out, you know, I was having a son, or at least that I was growing a penis inside of me. Um, And that took, I really needed that spaciousness. So I bow down to you for navigating it as someone who, as you say, had no idea what you were doing. I feel like you did it like really incredibly. I felt so supported for the most part. And the times I didn't feel supported, again, those were my, that was my work to be in acceptance of feeling that way and also realizing that part of why I felt that way was because I radically desire women to feel that support when they are in that moment so for me to feel the contrast of like this one time because I don't you know intend to uh conceive and carry a child again in this lifetime but that this one time that I'm experiencing it for me to not get it that contrast was even more clarifying as to why I love supporting humans in their most transformative cycles of life because Mm the capacity to hold someone and say, it doesn't matter how freaking messy you are, this is divine. Like, this is so beautiful. It doesn't matter if you are like what you believe to be ugly crying. I really see it as beautiful. And I wonder, you know, outside of this experience, how many pregnant people and postpartum people get that experience to like fully be in that and have a partner who doesn't take it personally and is just in that witnessing mode. Yeah. And for the partners of the people who are pregnant and birthing, you know, I would just say that if there's never a moment where you feel like you're not doing enough, I'm confused. (laughs) And when the moments come up that you feel like you can't support enough or you're not doing enough, I just want to reflect back that that feels to me like reality, that feels inevitable, that feels like a beautiful um, way of your soul reminding you that it's time to call on community. And for any of the thoughts that pop in and creep in and tell you that you're not a good enough partner because you're not doing all the things or you're, you're not equipped for this because you can't support the person enough, all of that is conditioned into you, right? That is straight capitalistic, um, you know, conditioning that tells you that you as one person have to do it all. And the reality that is that, um, you know, back before this nuclear family idea was created, 
pregnant people and children were raised in and supported by community. And mm-hmm. even even in an instance today where someone is choosing to step into parenthood alongside a romantic partner and that traditional family style, in my mind, there is no reason why that has to also then mean not calling in community. Because, you know, the reality is that even when we watch TV shows of mothers and we're asking ourselves, how does this mother have all the time in the world to do all these things (laughs) while they have a new baby? I'm really talking about Jane the Virgin because we've been watching that show. (laughs) The reality is that the only reason why is because there is a community and a village behind them supporting them. Parents. What a good example. Jane the Virgin, really. We we are very late to the party, but we've been watching the show um, recently. And She's like, got a co-parent. She's got a mom, a dad, a grandmother, all these pe- a boyfriend, all these people who are supporting and taking care of her child so that she can do the things that she needs to do. And the reality is that like even in a nuclear family structure, there still has to be room for community to come in and support Mm -hmm. if that is a desire. And I honor the fact that for some women, for some mothers, that's not a desire and that's okay. But just this reality that like you, you know, I just, I honor and I see and I witness all of these support people in in their own struggles, because it's not easy, especially when you haven't or will never know that experience. And it is so vitally important to to first acknowledge that, because if you're in denial, nothing's going to change. But mm-hmm. if you can step back and acknowledge and accept the fact that I alone simply cannot do it all, that to call in community is not a failure but no. it's actually a celebration of this of this ancestral knowledge that we all have that a village is what makes a a new life thrive in this world mm-hmm. is having that support to you know and and just then acknowledging that like that support is always going to look different you know mm-hmm. and coming back to this realization that when it comes to supporting new moms and new parents it is about going in and and asking the question of like what can I do to give that mother that parent the space that they need to take care of their baby because they intuitively inherently know how to care for that child Mm -hmm. and I'm not stepping in to take over and try to care for that child instead of them I'm stepping in to support them and give them all the space and time that they need to do the job that they are genetically trained to do yeah that's so beautiful and so how can each of us find our own version of the village again you know how can each of us find the unique structure that will allow us to be supported, seen, and loved, which will trickle down to the child. And what do we want for a child more than for them to feel supported, seen, and loved in this world? And I find that because I have had that spaciousness, it's a lot easier for me to, you know, uh, hand off you know, shy for him to have connection time with other people because my intuition with him has had breathing room this entire time. And there hasn't been someone stepping on that intuition. I mean, I've had to like 
keep myself from reading a lot of the parenting books and from taking a lot of external advice, I very specifically ask a specific thing if I'm interested, but for the most part, I keep it with what feels right for him and for our relationship. But that then allows for a spaciousness where I like do trust community. I can lean on community. I don't feel, uh, I, I know inherently if it feels safe to like hand him off to someone or if that person doesn't energetically feel like a right fit to, you know, spend deeper time with him and hold him. And so it's really this process of how do we support the mother because the mother knows how to mother. The mother knows exactly how to mother that unique child that is given to them. And there are so many variations of humans that are coming onto this planet and each one is unique. And we could read a thousand parenting books and even then there is not the exact concoction that is right for that little human. So um, it it feels like for me, like I had always dreamed that I was going to conceive and give birth in a traditional structure. I have always been desiring my divine masculine that was going to see me and witness me for all that I was. And in my maiden phase, that didn't happen. Or it literally happened just in the timing for me to then transition and become a mother um, as a solo parent. And I now truly like not like this is not like a sugar-coated thing or like I'm not lying to myself I've asked myself the question a million times like are you lying to yourself are you just doing this because you have to I feel like this has been the perfect um journey for me as a mother because I do have the space to know what's best for me and to explore and experience and be an adventurer with what is possible with this little human. And I don't have to spend a lot of time explaining myself because the person that I spend the most time with, you know, hasn't done this and doesn't act like they are the one with all of the answers. Um, so that's really incredible. And then also I've called in and we've been able to build community that just doesn't live from that same judgmental perspective of like hey I probably know what's best for you even though I see your child for like one you know zillionth of the fraction of time that you see your child and witness them um and so it's just such like it feels like such a no-brainer of how do we support parents we give them the space to actually parent and to be in their alignment so that they can know what's right but how much are we actually doing it in this current structure in society? And how can we rewrite that so that it is not a radical choice to ask for support uh, by way of additional people and not simply your romantic partner or the person that you conceived with? How do we make sure that each mother can call in knows that she can pray for and call in her unique village that is going to be the thing that supports her so that she can become you know not the perfect mother because we know that doesn't exist but the most aligned version of a mother that she came here to be um, which means having all of the fuck-ups and confusions that come along with parenting like that is 
it doesn't matter how much space and support you have, like that is gonna happen. But to actually not have to act from the fear-based places and to be able to take deep breaths and act from love is like, it, it just seems like for me, for me, it's clearly the way because it's the way that we are. But, um, you know, I do pray for that for anyone who wants to call that in themselves and to not worry so much about what it looks like from society's uh, vantage point, because that is something that I have had to like really let go of. The fact that people cannot put you know, Sarah and I in this box and the life that we're creating and the life that I am creating for my son, a lot of people don't understand it. And can I be so radically okay with that? Because I know that we're building something that doesn't look like a lot of things have looked before. Because the way a lot of things have looked, we have seen historically has led to not healthy, emotionally sound people that know that they have the space to exist in this world, right? Like we are raising children that are these external vibrations of our own internal truth. So if the mother doesn't have the space to know her intuition, to know her truth and to raise a child from that way, then how are we going to raise a generation of humans who have all of that? Yeah. And for, for anyone else who is literally not a mother themselves, you know, the question to ask and the work to do is how can you decondition your mind from feeling as though the things that you've heard, the things that you've read, the things that you think you know are someone else's ultimate truth. And mm -hmm. and honestly, this is just a bigger conversation for what like all humans need to come to an understanding with. And you know, this is like whether or not you ever think you're ever going to be around a pregnant person in your life because I'll tell you that I did not think I was going to be 24 years old buying a house and supporting a pregnant person and then a solo mom having never done any of those things before in my life but the universe surprised me and that was something that became reality and so you know whether you think you'll ever be in a position like this or not to any capacity because the reality is like even if one friend that you know becomes pregnant and you don't live anywhere near them doing this work will still benefit them and will show them that you have done the work that it takes to support someone from afar which is again just like coming back to this trust that someone else knows intimately what is best for them they know intimately what is best for the life that they're creating and how can we honor that so fully and also trust that the choices and the decisions that people outside of us make have nothing to do with us and like if they're not directly harming me how can I create enough spaciousness within my heart to accept and honor that their choices don't have to look like mine? And that, that, that knowing and that understanding would truly transform our world if we all had that, but especially when we're talking about mothers and, and pregnancies, it would really transform the way that a mother gets to exist in this world if they knew that it was only them that got to tune in 
and make all the choices rather than being told from the start that they don't know what is best for the life that is literally being birthed from them. Mm. Yeah, that <laughs> that's so incredible. And the, yeah, that that permission feels, again, like something you know, we're really just recording this for us and for the memory. Uh, but if this, you know, gets to you and you hear this and it resonates or it triggers you and you're like, what the heck? Um, either way, it's like this idea that we're not sitting here acting like this structure that we have and the way that I experienced pregnancy and the way that Sarah witnessed my pregnancy is the way that everyone should do it. It's like quite the opposite. It's like, how can every single person uniquely create the space to have an experience that is so unique and specific to them that if someone else heard it, they'd go, oh, whoa, well, maybe that's not for me. And it's like, well, great. It shouldn't be for you because what is for you is going to be completely based off of your own life, your purpose, your lessons, your child, and the way that you know you are meant to journey in this lifetime. So it feels really fun to have uh, to be on this path because it is so unexpected and it's so foreign, even though I'm literally witnessing it through my own eyes. Um, but we really just wanted to be able to share this to inspire within you that however it looks or feels for you um, is not only perfectly fine, but it's incredible. And may you have the spaciousness in your pregnancy or in your witnessing and holding space and supporting another's pregnancy, or in even the way that you witness humans societally in general. We're all in this process of birth and rebirth, whether it's through the process of conception, conception with a human or of an idea. And so how can we just like radically step back and say, I'm going to get out of my own way and let this amaze me and not make it look exactly like everything has ever looked before because what we're doing here is potentially birthing a world that is more beautiful, more connected, more supported, more loving than what we all have been able to witness so far. Yeah. And Eliza, I know you're not asking me this question, but this question is coming through and I think it would be a really great way to wrap up this conversation. And the question that's coming through is, you know, what is like one piece of advice that I would give to other maidens in in their journey forward for however long they continue to to stay in this in this phase of the cycle? And honestly, that answer would be to surround yourself with people who are in different phases of life than you. You know, as a maiden, as friends of yours step into motherhood, you know, rather than pulling away, mm. lean in. Give yourself the gift of witnessing the other possibilities that exist on the other side of that portal and give your friends that either are mothers or who are transitioning into motherhood the gift 
of continuing to be in relationship with people who have much greater capacity than they now have. I can't even tell you the number of of people that I've witnessed step into motherhood and just lose such deep friendships, so mm-hmm. such um, important pieces of their life that they once had just because, you know, things no longer align. And while I understand that storyline to some degree I'm not buying it because Eliza and I have like the closest friendship and relationship I've ever had and we are in two entirely different stages of our lives Mm -hmm. and it's actually a beautiful thing to be able to constantly share and learn from and grow together because we are not in the same stage of life and so just this overarching um you know, invitation to all the maidens that might be hearing this, um, that the greatest gift that you can give yourself is the ability to witness the other side, because that will also give you the ability to choose from a very informed place of whether or not you want to traverse there and know that if you choose not to that is such a valid choice and it doesn't make you any less of a woman to choose that but can we create a world where more of us are choosing either to walk down these paths or not from a place of knowing what that means. Because again, if we're talking about how we're going to continue creating a more healed world, it's going to look like women birthing children from a place of radically knowing and accepting what it means to step into the role of motherhood. Amen to that. And I feel more clearly than ever before that it is so important for humans to decide to parent and humans to decide not to parent because the capacity is so incredibly different. The ability to show up in the world just looks differently. It's not that there's a better or worse. I'm not saying that you can't be like a hashtag, like, you know, mom boss bitch, or that you have to not be a mom to be that level of success in life. Clearly, there's so many people out there that have proven, you know, the various paths that are available. Um, But I used to feel like, oh, there shouldn't be doulas out there that haven't been mothers because I really you know wanted in a doula myself someone that had given birth because I needed and I really needed to look at some point so this was right for me but I needed to look at some point and say can this literally be done and look into someone's eyes that had literally done that so but now I see because in the maiden phase your capacity your energy levels and your the way you see the world is different that there's more energy there's more ability to be able to um you know walk away from life as it currently is and support and step in for somebody else at more spontaneous times you know for me i have to literally have someone watching my child for me to go have a private conversation so for me to be able to get in my car and drive to support someone else there would have to be some type of planning and community and village that is available so it's like how do we uplift the maiden as 
the equally important piece of the puzzle of a thriving mother because we need people who are choosing not to become mothers that are like the badass aunties that are the incredible support system of like do you need me to come over so you can take a shower right now because I can come right I'll bring my dog I'll bring my laptop I'll work from there I'll watch the baby sleep so that you can have some time to yourself not every mother has that capacity while some do because of their various support systems. Many do not. So how do we really say like, this is not a better or worse. It is like we literally, for the betterment of this world, need people to be choosing both paths radically and either choosing the non-parental path radically knowing that they are going to better the world as a result of that and people that are choosing the parenting route radically and saying I am making this commitment to uh, bringing this human earth side and not losing myself in the process so that I can raise a human who doesn't have to lose themselves as a part of this human condition. I don't know, is that possible? But I'm constantly, like I was saying to my son when he was in the womb, I'm like, sign a different contract. Like, do not, do not come here to forget who you are. And like, how can I get out of the way so that you never have to forget? Um, and that requires the spaciousness, that requires the support, and that requires the village that um, you know, I'm so grateful that we are co-creating together. Mm, so beautifully <laughs> said. Mm. We could probably talk another five hours on just this, this very topic. Totally. I mean, this is literally just what we sit and talk about all the time. Uh, and it doesn't always happen that we have the spaciousness to have an hour plus long conversation about it because there's other things that are asking for our attention but this was actually like a huge treat to be able to do and we are going to be you know signing off of this conversation to drop into that triple goddess energy and literally holding a you know group of nine women in various stages this weekend in the goddess weekend where we are honoring the maiden the mother and the wise woman so we were like what a better way to kick off this weekend uh and this retreat than dropping into the uh origin story of of how we stepped into these various roles that we're holding here at Harmony Mountain House and I don't know it, it just feels like such an incredible gift for us to be living this in real time because it's it's like I just feel like this is my dream life to mm-hmm. be in this experience and I didn't know it was possible so yeah. It makes me really excited to continue sharing, not saying you should do it like this, but that there are alternative ways to do it. If you're not partnered, if you you know, have a partnership that ends either by choice or not by choice, if you are in unique uh, forms of relationship that don't look nuclear, like it not only could be an okay way to bring a child into this world and, and raise a human, but it could actually be more fruitful than your wildest dreams because to take it full circle, it's like that first question I asked, like how much do you love Cheyenne? And it's Mm. like the fact that actually, okay, I 
can't even go here because I'm going to cry. But like the fact that I get to witness their relationship and like they're literally best friends and (laughs) I'm not jealous because I love the role of mother. But the fact that um, I literally I just know that this child is loved from every angle and from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to sleep like for him to have Sarah and like the the village that also exists but I don't feel like he's missing anything not having a father figure in his life in this moment I feel like he is like so incredibly loved from every single angle like every cell in his body must vibrate from love and the human that he's becoming so far like that's how we witness him too right like I thought he was going to be such like a serious and intense little kid and like he is sometimes but he is so happy and he is so curious and he is so trusting of this world this habitat that he is currently growing up in like he's about to be 11 months old and to watch him becoming not just because of the mother that I am but because of the maiden and the TT that you are feels like such such a gift again beyond my wildest dreams so I I could talk about that all day but let let's um let's close this out well here is to making and holding space for the maiden the mother and the wise woman and for stepping back into a world where all three of those energies get to coexist and uplift each other rather than being separated and and you know told that they have to exist only within the realms of one another may they continue to find more ways to integrate together and to work together because it is in that triple goddess energy when all three come as one that really magic happens mm-hmm. mm. here's to the magic <laughs> and so it is well i just had a chance to re-listen to that and i've got to say that was beautiful and for now i will leave you with this prayer whether you find yourself in the season of the maiden, the mother, or the wise woman, that you are surrounded by one or many in their alternate cycles of life, that you may find your own version of support the way that I have found in the gift that is Sarah. And until next time, I hope that you will rejoin our virtual village here and continue celebrating the birth of a son, this very vocal son that you can probably hear in this recording now. He is curled up in my arms, just waking up from a nap. And so I guess that this is where I say, see you for now. And hopefully you'll hear us again soon.